are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. So if you have a Bible today, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to take a break uh, from the book of Joshua this week. And uh, we'll be back in the book of Joshua next week. We have a couple of more uh, sermons to finish out Joshua. Uh, but, you know, we, we plan a lot of times a couple of months out on sermon series uh, so I can get that to Matt in time to start working on music. And, and we start our graphic work and all that. And I always tell uh, Christy and Matt and those who are involved in planning our worship services, here's where I'm going to be going for the next couple of months, subject to change by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's usually my joke to them. And then so on a Monday morning, like last Monday, I sat down with Matt and I said, so we're going to take a break from Joshua. Sorry, God put something else on my heart this week. And so that's why we're in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 this morning. And uh, I want to just as a way of prayer, uh, pray through verses 2 and 3. Uh, because right now our life groups are still in, in transition. Uh, we have some life groups beginning to come back on campus. We have some still meeting out online. Uh, August the 2nd, our, uh, we'll be bringing children and our youth programs back on campus on Sunday morning as well. And uh, I just want to, as I was praying through the message in this passage this morning, uh, just really thinking about you all in verses 2 and 3, and in your faithfulness, your commitment that you've been giving to God through this time, all the work that you've been doing as a church. And so verse 2 says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and our Father your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to thank you uh, for all of the, the steadfastness that you've had over the last several months, all those that have been serving, our life group teachers. I know you've had to uh, change a lot of ways that you've been teaching uh, in meeting, and so just personally want to say thank you for that. Uh, let's pray together. Father, I want to give thanks for every person that is sitting here today. Coming to worship is, a, is an act of service. Um, it's, a, it's a commitment to be made, and and Father, I thank you for those that have taken time to, to join together here today in person. Uh, Father, we know we still have many uh, that are in homes that uh, need to be in homes or, or just taking things cautiously. And so, Father, we, we thank you for their commitment of being online this morning and worshiping with us. Father, I thank you for all of the men and women that have been serving over these last several months in ways we would not have ever expected we would have had to step up and serve Father, I thank you for our life group leaders that have been leading so well over the last few months, still committed to teaching the Word of God. And, and Lord, I thank you for those in those life groups making the commitment to stay together during these moments. Lord, I thank you for their steadfastness. I thank you for their faith, their hope, and their love for one another. Lord, as we come into this passage this morning, uh, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will will work in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. Uh, Father, we, we, I pray for myself that, uh, Lord, not only can I communicate the message well today, but, Lord, I can live this as well. 
And so, Father, I pray for each one of us today to draw closer to you, uh, to change our affections to love you uh, uh, well and and in a deeper level. And, Father, we thank you for the way you bless us in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You know, if you think about a, a sporting contest... Uh, we've got sports kind of coming back. And so if you, you think about sporting events, uh, some of the most important moments in a sporting contest, it doesn't often take place in the first quarter. Uh, it often doesn't take place in the fourth quarter. You know, some of the most important moments in a sporting contest, it doesn't come when the referee blows a call at the end of the game or the field goal kicker misses the game-winning kick wide right. I would argue that one of the most important moments in a sporting contest, it comes at halftime. At halftime. It comes in the locker room at halftime. And the reason being is because at halftime, the coach adjusts the game plan. It's at halftime that the players get an opportunity to kind of catch a breath, think about the first half, and then make a commitment to go back out in the second half and to do their best. See, it's at halftime, decisions have to be made. That coach and those players have to commit to the second half doing as best they can. And see, the first half's done. There's nothing you can do about the first half anymore. It's, it's over. If you think about 2020, we're at halftime. There are 25 weeks left in this year. Now, I don't have to argue with you. The first half's been a little rough, hasn't it? (laughs) Been a little rocky. Been real different. I mean, just take all the COVID stuff out of it. You may have had a hard first half. May have been health issues, financial issues, job issues, marital issues, personal issues. You've gone through all of those in the first half, and now you've added all the COVID-19 things that has affected us all. Let's just do this. Raise your hand this morning if you now know someone who has been diagnosed uh, with COVID-19, somebody who's had a confirmed case, right? That's pretty much just about all of us now. So it's it's affected us all in some way. And we can look and say the first half's been tough, but it's halftime. What are we going to do? What are the adjustments right now that God's calling you to make in your personal life? What is God calling us as a church to adjust for the second half of 2020? See, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul is writing this church in Thessalonica, and it's a church that at halftime made some adjustments. You're going to read this morning of a church that continued to move forward even in the midst of hardships, even in the midst of difficulties, verse 6 would say. They continued as a church moving forward in the second half. And here's what I want you to get this morning. You can write this down if you're a a note taker. Is that when the gospel, and the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, when the gospel takes root in our lives, it guides us to live for today and long for tomorrow. So when the gospel is in our lives, it guides us to live for today and long for tomorrow. So I want to show you two adjustments that this church made at halftime. First in verse 4 through verse 6, you're going to see they changed their affections. They changed their affections. Verse 4 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, 
that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction that you know what kind of men we have proved to be among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is not the first time that Paul has interacted with this church. If you flipped over into Acts chapter 17, Paul is the one who brings the gospel into Thessalonica. He's the one who starts this church. And he says in Acts chapter 17, in verses 2 through 3, this. It says, And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. And so Paul, in his first time in this city, preached the gospel to them. Now notice what happens in verse 5 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says that the Holy Spirit opened their eyes, opened their minds, that they received the word of God in. And so what's happened in their lives? They've changed their affections. They went from not loving God to loving God. For not recognizing and rejecting Jesus as the Christ to now receiving Jesus as the Christ. They went from rejecting the Word of God to now believing in the Word of God. And we see that they've changed their affections toward God. But notice how they've received His Word. Notice the joy in their life. Pick up in verse 6 with me. He said, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the Word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. You receive the Word of God with joy in much affliction. The NIV version, if you have that, I like the way they put it. You welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a a story about a young boy. He was out in his yard one day climbing one of his favorite trees, and he, he saw a cocoon there in the, in the tree, and he, he started studying that cocoon. He thought, man, that, that's a pretty cool cocoon. A couple of days later, he, he comes out to investigate the cocoon again, and he's back up there on that, you know, semi-tall branch, and, and he's, he notices something this time, a little different about the cocoon. See, and now it's got a little hole at the top. And he's looking at that cocoon, he's looking at the hole, and he sees this butterfly struggling to get out of the cocoon. And so the boy reaches into his left pocket, and he pulls out the pocket knife that his grandfather had given him, and he, he ever so carefully opens the blade, and he, out of an act of compassion, just makes that hole a little bigger. And he steps back and he waits for this butterfly to, to burst out of that cocoon, fly away so he could see the beautiful color of its wings. But instead, the butterfly fell to the ground, limp. Why? See, the cocoon and the struggle to get out of it was designed to strengthen the butterfly. See, that struggle to get out of that cocoon is what helped that butterfly develop the muscles it would need to fly. And this this young boy, out of inadvertently just compassionate, 
actually weaken the butterfly more. God designs and leads us into trials at times to strengthen our faith. See, we always want God to steer us around a storm, don't we? God, don't take me through that storm. Lord, give me another way around it. But God will often say, no, I'm not going to take you around the storm, but here's my promise, I'll take you through the storm. I'll be with you in that storm, but the storm's going to come, the cocoon's going to be around you to strengthen your faith, to deepen that faith. And this church was receiving the word of God with much joy in affliction, in moments of suffering. I love the way someone once put this, and I've heard this phrase over the years, I don't know who to accredit it to, but whatever causes you to pray is a good thing. Would you agree with that? Ooh, that's hard, isn't it? Whatever causes you to pray is a good thing. Why? Because it's causing you to go to the Lord. It's causing you to rely on him in a, in a way you may have never had to rely on him. It's a way to bring you closer to God in the storm of life. So let me ask it to you this way. What if what you're going through right now is designed by God to bring you closer to him and to strengthen your faith? What if this disruption of life that we're all experiencing right now is the greatest moment in your life to strengthen your faith and your relationship with God. See, that only makes sense if you change your affections, if you learn to love him more and receive the word of God with joy in much affliction. Because when you receive the word of God with joy, even in times of suffering and affliction, notice what's going to happen in your actions. Because when your affections change, your actions change. When you learn to love something differently, now those actions will change. Pick up in verse 9 with me. Notice what they did. It says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. So notice their affections change. They're now receiving the word of God. In verse 9, their actions change. They're repenting. All right, remember that word repent, it means to turn, to do an about face. So they're turning from their sin and they're turning to God. What do you need to repent of this morning? What is the sin in your life right now you need to turn from? You need to say, God, I don't want this, I want you. And I'm gonna turn my back on sin and I'm gonna turn to you. So he says they're turning from their sin, they're turning from their sin idols. We don't have idols in our lives, do we? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't have idols, right? I mean, we're, we're not bowing down to any statues, right? I mean, idols, those, those things, those statues, that's for another culture, another time, another place, right? I mean, we, we, we as American Christians don't have any idols, do we? Oh, well, I, I would probably argue we have quite a few. Your heart may be full of them, Someone once said that the the heart is an idol-making factory. Let's meddle with a few of our idols, shall we? Just for fun. How about work? 
Can work be an idol? I mean, work's a, a good thing, but work can be an idol. And see, here's how I would define an idol. Right, here's, here's just a simple definition of idol. You can write this down and, and apply it. An idol can be a good thing that you make a God thing, and then it becomes a bad thing. All right? That's an idol. A good thing, you make a God thing, and then it becomes a bad thing. Or, you know, it becomes a bad thing. Good thing, you make a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. Work. Work's a good thing. You got to work, right? But you can find your identity. You can find your self-worth in your work. So you took a good thing, you found your identity, your self-worth in work, and that became a, a, a bad or a good, a God thing. Excuse me, I'm going to get it out. And then it becomes a bad thing. Here's another one. I know, I'm going to admit this to you all. This is one of my idols I struggle with, and I'm sure no one else in here struggles with this. So if it's just me right now, you know how to pray for me. How about food? Can food be an idol? Food's a good thing, right? I mean, good food's a good thing. But how many of us, we get stressed, we get tired, we get worried, we get anxious, and then we go to food, to comfort us. It's comfort food. We run to the bluebell, right? We think, man, that food that I may not need right now, that'll make me happy. That'll bring a little bit of joy. That'll lift my spirits, right? So what you've done is you made your food at that moment your functional savior. This food will fix all my problems. See, we took a good thing and made it a God thing, and then it became a bad thing. And so what you see is this church turning from their idols. They're living for today. And verse 10 says they're longing for tomorrow. Verse 10 points us to the return of Christ. They're waiting for the son of heaven who God has raised from the dead to come back and to deliver us from the wrath to come. See, verse 4 through 6, verse 9 shows us they're living for today. Verse 10, they're longing for tomorrow. Because when the gospel guides you, that's what happens. You learn to live for today and long for tomorrow. We long for the return of Christ. We want to see Jesus come back. Amen? Amen. Everybody okay with that? I mean, like, if tomorrow, I'm fine with tomorrow. How about you? Like, I can clear my calendar for that, right? We want him to come back. And we see the good news is those that confess Christ as their Lord and Savior, when he comes back, we are delivered from the wrath to come. But I think so many people are, are stuck right now. I don't know if you're stuck. See, I look out at the landscape, and I see a lot of Christians in neutral. I'll just wait this out, right? I'll just sit where I am. I'll wait it out. I'll hope it ends, and I'll hope it ends soon. I'll just wait it out. Or I see a lot of Christians in reverse. We could just go back to January. We could just go back before March, before all the COVID stuff happened. We could just go back to, to what was normal. Let's just go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. No, 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 no. We don't go back. We go forward. We don't sit neutral. We go ahead. Why? Because that's what God wants. See, the, the best days, biblically, aren't behind us. The Bible would say the best days are in front of us when Christ returns. They changed their affections. But notice also another halftime adjustment they made. They changed their actions. 
they changed their actions. Verse 7 says this, So you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we don't need to say anything. I love the way Paul just slips that in. Look, as missionaries, if we come back into the region, we don't have a job. You guys have done it. You got the gospel out. People are hearing. Their faith had gone forth. I love verse 8. Look at it again. Maybe you underline in your Bible. For, the Lord, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, but your faith in God has gone out. I love the way the NIV says this. The Lord's message rang out from you. It rang out from you. Let me ask you this. What's ringing out from you right now? What's going forth from you right now? What message are you communicating in these days consistently with other people right now? What's ringing out from you? Today at lunch, if Jesus pulled up a chair and he said, hand me your phone. Let's just go over your social media account for a moment, shall we? Let's look at your Facebook page. What have you been posting recently? What's ringing out from you? What's sounding forth from you? I'm sure many of your friends would know where you stand on Black Lives Matter. I'm sure many of your friends would know where you stand on wearing masks. I'm sure many of your friends would know where you stand on COVID and its origins and the way the government's handled this, and all the procedures. But do your friends know where you stand with Jesus? When was the last time you shared the gospel with one of those friends? When was the last time you invited one of those friends of yours to a service? See, if I showed up maybe to your work, or I showed up to a place you hang out, maybe play games or social, with, you know, be social with other people, if I, if I showed up somewhere that you're normally there and people know you, and I, I walked in and said, hey, you know what, I, I know Johnny here, and, uh, and he goes to my church, and, you know, Johnny confesses to believe, you know, that Jesus is his Lord and Savior. That person I'm talking to shouldn't be surprised. They shouldn't go, whoa, 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 hang on. Johnny? Right? J- Johnny goes to your church? Wait, wait, Johnny is a believer in Jesus? Hey, Peggy, come here, come here. You got to hear this, man. This guy's got a joke for you. He's saying Johnny is a believer in Jesus, right? Your faith shouldn't surprise anyone. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, if you have the gospel in your heart, it should come out in your life. It should come out in your words. It should come out in your actions. See, when the gospel guides our lives, we learn to live for today. And we long for tomorrow. It's halftime. We're in the locker room together. There you are at halftime. You're sitting in front of those little individualized metal lockers. It's been a rough first half. You look to your right, and you see some of your teammates frustrated. You you see some of your teammates in despair. You look to your left, and you see some of them discouraged. Some of them are, are just kind of looking straight ahead with a blank stare on their face, wondering what in the world just happened in the first half. Maybe you see a teammate with his head just down, looking at the floor, 
one of them with a towel over their head. Maybe you're looking around the room at halftime today going, what's the point? Why go back out in the second half? What's going on here? And then in the moment of that halftime despair that you have, our coach walks in. And see, our coach is an awesome coach. You know why? Because no one's ever beaten our coach. See, our coach, he's gone up against sin and the opponent of Satan and the opponent of death and the opponent of hell, and he's beaten them all. And our coach, by the name of Jesus, stands in the middle of that locker room, and he looks to his right, and he sees frustration, he sees fatigue. He looks to his left, and he sees discouragement and despair on all the faces of the teammates. And without saying a word, he just turns, he grabs a black expo marker, and he just walks over to the whiteboard. He unscrews that cap carefully, and in big capital letters, he writes on the whiteboard just two words. Press on. Press on. Just press on. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 13 through 14. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting the first half, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Live for today, press on. Long for tomorrow, press on. As you keep trusting in Jesus, Press on. And let me share with you just a couple of practical ways for a moment here that as a church in the second half of 2020, the last 25 weeks, we're pressing on. Caroline's already talked to you a little bit this morning about Vacation Bible School. And we had to make the decision to really take it virtually for a couple of reasons. Number one, with the rise in cases and kind of the volatile situation around us, we didn't want to spend a month asking you to gear up, get ready, and then all of a sudden it have to cancel at the last moment. And then we'd be stuck not getting the word of God out to kids in any way this summer. And so we said, let's take it online because guess what? COVID-19 is not going to cancel the internet. Amen. And so here's the opportunity. Here's the chance we have. We have that chance, like she mentioned, maybe you can invite a, your grandkid, you know, your nieces, your nephews, whoever. Maybe they're out of state and they're going to hear uh, about Vacation Bible School from us. Maybe some kid in Arizona is going to come to know Jesus out of this. Amen. God's kingdom gets built. And so we're going to take that online because guess what? People are online right now. This is where folks are. We're going to meet them where they are. Because my commitment is this, we don't hunker down, we don't sit down, we don't stop at halftime because it's rough, because guess what? Satan doesn't take a day off. If he doesn't take a day off, we don't take a day off. There are still people dying without Jesus and going to hell right now. So you and I have to go out in the second half and press on. And so through virtual VBS, she's mentioned a few ways this morning, you can help. Guess what? I'm going to enlist all of you on a couple of teams right now. Here you go. You're sitting here. You're on our prayer team. Thank you for signing up. You're going to pray for Vacation Bible School this year. We're going to get you some prayer guides in the next couple of weeks where you can pray, asking God to work. Here's another way you're going to help out. Thanks for signing up. The publicity team. 
All right, when we post things on Facebook, you can share. You can, like I said, call a family member, call a grandkid with a mask on, walk up to somebody else random in a grocery store six feet away and say, hey, why don't you, you know, sign online on this time. Our church is doing vacation Bible school, and uh, my crazy pastor just told me to tell you that, okay? All right. So thank you. Thanks for signing up. Thanks for helping out with prayer and publicity. I appreciate the commitment. There's a couple other ways you can specifically uh, sign up for. That drive-through decoration team where folks can come and, and pick up bags. You, if you want to be on the snack team. Now, this is one that's going to be interesting because you're thinking, wait a minute, snacks. They're eating snacks in their own house. I'm not taking snacks to everybody. No, 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 you're not taking snacks. But here's what you can do. You can come up with a couple of little thematic recipes for each day that we can place that recipe in those activity bags, then you can shoot your own little cooking segment each day, right? Cooking with, you know, Martha, and then we can put that into the VBS. Wouldn't that be fun? You've always wanted to do your own cooking show. I know you have. You, you look at Food Network and you're thinking, man, I wish I could do that one day. You can do that in the next week or two if you would just sign right on up, all right? Who knows what God would do with that? If you want to be on a skit team, you want to, like you said, pack those bags. We need folks for that. And we need folks for that right now. We don't need folks for that the first week in August when all this goes virtually. It's got to happen now because we're building it all ready to go out that day. We're going to press on with virtual VBS. Here's another way in 2020 we're going to press on. Uh, In September, and you'll hear more about this coming out, uh, we're going to launch a ministry called Pray and Go. Here's how easy Pray and Go is. We're going to prayer walk neighborhoods. You're going to stop in front of a house on the sidewalk. You don't have to knock on a door. You don't have to ring a doorbell. You don't have to talk to one person. You're going to pray for that house. What if I don't know them in that house? Well, I don't expect you to know them in that house, but I want you to pray for that house. Then you're going to walk up to the door and you're going to put a door hanger on there that says Heights Baptist Church prayed for you today. Here's an email address where you can give us more email or prayer requests and let us know how we can help for you. Then you're going to walk to the next house and you're going to do the same thing on and on and on and on. This is perfect for you and your family to go out and do. You could do this as a life group. Our goal and commitment from September to the end of the year is 15,000 homes that we're going to pray for. It breaks down a little over 3,000 a month. If we believe prayer works, then we ought to pray for our community. And guess what? COVID-19, it can't touch our prayers. Amen. So we're going to get out and we're going to pray over the next several months. Also, this is another thing I want you to do this morning is take out this little card right here and then we're going to wrap up. Right here in this card, if you're new with us, uh, we have what's called a four-by-four strategy where you find four people in your life that you know who do not follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You pray for them four times a week. You try to get together with them uh, where you're sharing the gospel with them, having gospel conversations. I want you this morning to write down the first name of somebody who's on that list. Maybe you have one, two, three, or four. Just put a first name down, would you? Take that pen out and you can do that. Then on the back side of that, we're going to have a 2020 second half invite challenge as a church. It has never been easier to invite people to church than it is right now. We have a 9 a.m. service. We have a 1030 a.m. service. We're online. And so you can invite folks, even right now, to say, hey, I, I want you to worship the Lord with me. And so what I want you to do is to think about this. You have 25 weeks left to go in the year. How many people would you commit to invite over the next 25 weeks? 
As a staff, our goal is 250 invites. My goal personally is 25. I've set a goal of 25. That's one a week. I, you know, messaged a, a friend on Friday night. Said, hey man, been praying for you. He's one of my four by fours. Love to have you this Sunday, either in person or online. Man, I've just been thinking about you. All right, there, there was my one for the week. You know, last week it was when I was getting my hair cut. Sat there and was talking to the lady. She had a Howard the Duck tattoo on. Started talking to her about her tattoo and then psh, invited her to church. All right, it's that easy. So what I want you to do right now is take that card out, take that pen out, write down those names, and then write down uh, a number of folks that you're going to invite. And I'm going to tell you what to do with that card, because here's the thing. We have an opportunity in the second half to not sit down, to not kick it in neutral, to not wait this out, but to allow the gospel to guide our lives, to live for today, and to long for tomorrow. It's second half. Let's press on. I want to ask you to pray with me right now, if you will. Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray, oh God, for, for decisions that need to be made. We pray for the names that are going to be on this card. Uh, Father, we pray for other prayer requests that are on our hearts. I want to invite you, as I'm praying right now, for you to, to fill out that 4 by 4 card, to fill out that backside with the number of folks that you want to invite. And as folks are doing that and praying for those names, I want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, right now to come to know him. The Bible says to know him, you change your affections. You turn from your sin and you turn to Christ by faith. Faith is simply just trusting in him to do what he said he did on the cross, dying for your sin, raising from the grave to be able to provide you eternal life. And the Bible says in order to be saved, you're trusting him by faith and you just call out to him. And so maybe today you're ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You can just simply pray right now with me, dear God, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I know I have sin that I'm turning from and I'm turning to Christ. God, thank you for saving me. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Father, we pray for anyone that may have prayed that for the first time. Pray, Father, for those names that are on this card. Uh, Lord, that you would work in their lives. As verse five says, open their hearts and their minds by the power of the Holy Spirit to receive the word of God so that they may know the hope and the salvation in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 